Hi, everybody. This is Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and this is our Veteran Stories Difference Makers. Delighted to have Steve with us, who is a veteran from the USA. Hi, Steve. Craig, how are you, sir? Really glad that you're here with us because I know that you're making a real difference in people's lives now and love to explore why you joined the military and, and, and what you did there. So why don't you tell us about how you came to be in the U.S. Army? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. It really is uh, an honor for me and a pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me on. Um, so there's several stories to it, but but um, I guess it should be important to say that my father was in the Army before me. He was in the 173rd Airborne um, Company A, 1st to the 503rd, and he was killed in Vietnam when I was seven months old. And so uh, I never got to meet him, yeah. but there was always this legacy of service. Mm. My grandfather was in the army in World War II. And so there's just this legacy, this family legacy for the Burlaks of of service to our country. Mm. Um, so I would like to say that I was so noble and I, I, I and I honored that call. Um, it was actually something a bit more humbling for me. Um, initially, I was going to school uh, in upstate New York. I was in college. I was in the middle of my junior year. And I was told that I owed twelve thousand dollars and that I wouldn't be able to um, I wouldn't be able to register for the um, for the second semester of my junior year unless I came up with that money. And, you know, being a young man of 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 not that kind of means from the Bronx, uh, I, I really didn't have that. And I thought, well, what can I do? Um, and my natural instinct at that point was to join the army. Um, one, you know, it was because I knew I would be able to help defray the costs of education. But um, the interesting thing about it was that, it, you know, I then had a choice. I could have chosen any branch, obviously. But for me, the calling was the Army. It was just in my blood, I guess. Um, and so I went to the recruiter right on Fordham Road in the Bronx and uh, told him I wanted to, to join up. And uh, he was more than happy <laughs> to bring me to bring me aboard. Um, and while I was in the military, um, um, once I took the ASVAB, um, I, you know, he said, you can take whatever job you want. You know, I, I did really well. And so I looked through, of course, he had this whole book. This back then when I, this is totally how old I was back then, they had a book that you could actually look through for all the MOSs you could choose. Um, and I actually chose to join uh, intelligence and mm. um, I loved it. Um, I loved the work that I did there um, working in intelligence the, the crazy thing about it was that, you know, we're talking, I'm a 21 year old kid from the Bronx and, you know, who thought I was grown, but I didn't, I, I actually grew up um, in the military, um, especially being in intelligence. I got to really understand how connected we are, how, how things happening mm. across the world have a direct impact on, on my family and I in the Bronx. Like that was something I just never thought of until I went into the service and I started serving in military intelligence. Um, and, um, and so I literally grew up, my, my lens of the world changed uh, being in the army and being in, in intelligence. Now, the funny thing, again, my dad was in the 173rd, right? And we were stationed near uh, the 25th Infantry um, and so they 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 would always laugh at us because, you know, of course, you know, the nerve of us being legs. Right. Not not jumping out of airplanes for a living. How dare us, you know, use our mind for war. Um, and so, you know, it was always fascinating for me, you know, coming from the legacy that I did, that I would that I would serve in intelligence. 
Uh, but one of the incredible things I learned as well is that with intelligence, there's no such thing as wartime and peacetime. You're, you're always mm. at war um, in intelligence mm. field. Um, and it doesn't matter um, what our what our stance is in terms of, you know, our physical military. We always are constantly battling with other nations and their ill intent towards us. And we see it mm. uh, with other nations even now, um, you know, threatening our institutions and threatening things that we hold dear as Americans. And we see the right. impact that it has on all of us. And so those are the sorts of things that, you know, in intelligence, you know, people see, we see this coming um, long before the public does. Mm. Tell us about some of those um, experiences or, or memories that you have from your time in the service, which really stickers um, either challenges or learning experiences. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it, it was amazing for me because, now, as you can imagine, I told you my dad was killed in Vietnam. Mm. So one of the biggest mm. challenges initially was my mom being at home. And, you know, I'm stationed literally around the world from her. And, you know, just keeping her calm, <laughs> you know, just just like, I'm okay, mom. It, you know, I'm okay. In fact, I went to, um, I went to boot camp at Fort Dix in New Jersey, which was the same, uh, the same uh, camp that my dad went through. And so my mom, wow. for my mom, it was a very emotional pull seeing mm. me in the army. And so that was one of the first hurdles I had to face because I had to sign a waiver because I was my dad's only son. So of course, as it, you know, as a, those are no military history with the Sullivan brothers and the Navy in World War II. Mm. Uh, with all five of those brothers being killed um, right. in, in battle, um, you, as, as an only son, I had to sign a waiver just to join the army. Um, and wow. so, yeah, so that was one of the first challenges. Uh, but, one of, but the amazing thing for me was the camaraderie. I mean, here I am, a, a kid from the South Bronx. I'm literally with people in my company and in my, un, in my, in my um, battalion and brigade who are literally from all over, um, you know, with different languages, different cultures. Um, and um, it was fascinating that, you know, because we worked in intelligence, there was no such thing as days off, right? We worked, we worked a rotating shift. So we had no, there was no certain day off. There, we had no holidays off. So my holidays were spent with my new family, um, at, you know, where I was stationed. And that was probably the most amazing thing for me is just connecting with people with so many different backgrounds um, who people who literally were salt of the earth um, um, who were serving their country were glad to do it um, and you know again I was a young kid I, I you know I, I just came into the army and I, all of a sudden I'm meeting people who had spent their whole you know adult lives in the military mm -hmm. and having those conversations I remember actually when I went through um um, I was going through PLDC, uh, the primary leadership development course, right before I came an NCO and having this conversation with our training, um, our training sergeant who was um, who was a tunnel rat in Vietnam. I mean, these are conversations I'm wow. having, you know, and for, for those unfamiliar, you know, those tunnel rats, those are the guys in Vietnam who when they spotted a tunnel. Um, they were the ones who took a 45 and went in a tunnel alone to, to find out, wow. you know, where it went. And, I mean, you have to be of a certain mindset, <laughs> you know, to do that kind of work. And here I am as a, as a young man having a conversation with this man about what that was like and what he experienced. Um, I just grew up in so many 
different ways. And there were so many great um, experiences. Um, literally, the party was with my people, with my friends, my, my the people I was stationed with. But our morning was with the people. If, if somebody's mom had passed or someone, you know, brother mm-hmm. had passed, we were mourning with them. Uh, because mm-hmm. our families were thousands of miles away, all we had was each other. Um, I was in weddings, you know, um, you know, there's pictures of me when I had hair, you know, in weddings with, with people <laughs> that, you know, who were from a completely different part of the country who I'd never would have met. Really? Otherwise, um, we cried together. We laughed together. We celebrated Super Bowls together. We partied, uh, you know, in those days, I, I actually used to have a party every once in a while. I would go, <laughs> I would party every once in a while and guess what? It would be with them. And so it was just an amazing, incredible experience. And then I learned a lot about the world, how it works. And I grew up and became a man. Tell us about um, the role of being in intelligence, what you're able to tell us, um, some of the tasks, some of the responsibilities. Um, Well, it was top secret. So, you know, obviously there's a lot that I can't really discuss about it. Um, What I can say is that um, first, the training was intense um, to, to actually do the work that I did. Um, the second thing, um, again, was our role was to, you know, uh, what we did was come to understand things happening around the world. Um, and, um, um, and, you know, and analyzing that, figuring what that was and, and understanding it and passing that information on. Um, and so, um, again, there's a lot that I can't talk about with it, but um, the, the most amazing thing about it to me was, again, the impact it had was that I understood how connected all the information is. Um, mm. That the reason why we were doing it was because... Um, things happening around the world impact us every day. I mean, there are things that happen day by day that the, the you know, the civilian citizen has no idea about. Um, and we, and, and the people that are in intelligence to this day, they're at the vanguard of that. And, and they keep us safe when we don't even know there's a threat. It, it's, it's just, right. it, it's an amazing, tremendous responsibility Um for a young man or a young woman to have. Um, and they train you correctly to be able to handle that sort of responsibility. I'd love to come back to that a little bit later about what you're doing now and how maybe some of those understandings and mindsets and skills um, have transferred into what you're doing now and how they're valuable. But that transition from leaving the camaraderie and the mission you were on and transitioning into civilian life um, after your service what were some of those challenges in that transition and how did you navigate that? Yeah, great question, Craig. Thank you for that. Um, the first thing I would say is that I just, you know, after I did my tour of duty, my my instinct was to come home, um, and in particular because I wasn't able to finish school, right? So that was mm-hmm. that was my biggest, my, I wanted to finish school. It was It was very hurtful to me especially being a young kid from the Bronx who, who nobody in my family had finished college. That was my mission, right? Was to finish school. Um, and mm-hmm. so that was probably the biggest challenge was that I knew I wanted to finish school, but I still had, you know, some issues now because I had so much, you know, I had so much debt 
you know, I'm a young man in debt. And so I'm still finishing out that debt and I'm still trying to figure out, you know, the impact on my credit and all that stuff. I'm literally trying to figure all this out. Um, but I didn't have a support system to help me with that. Like there was mm -hmm. nobody around in my family. We're like, oh, you know, I'm an expert on credit. I could tell you like how to handle that and, you know, and what you should do, who you should contact. Like I didn't have that. Um, and so that was the biggest challenge was, uh, now I'm, now I'm grown and I'm out in the world and, um, looking back at it, I really wish I had someone to teach me about finances. Um, right. we don't teach that in school. I, I later became an educator. Um, and I actually started talking, um, about that in school. I actually taught like economics and stuff like that in school at one point. Mm -hmm. which was very important. Um, so that was probably the initial challenge was, was trying to navigate financially and get back on my, you know, get back together on my feet. The, the second biggest challenge for me was that I had no idea what I wanted to do um, outside of that. And, you know, I didn't know, you know, I, it's so funny as a life coach now, I'm so purpose driven, right? And I teach people to be purpose driven, driven, but at 25 being home again, I didn't know what my purpose was. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I literally was kind of floating through life. Um, and one of the things I wish I had done more was explore more about how the VA um, could be of service to me to help figure that out. I, if I were to go back, yep. if I were to, to talk to that 25-year-old kid now, I'd like, go straight to the VA, tell them exactly what's going on, and then figure out who they either, either they can help you directly or they know some agencies or people that can help you. Don't try yeah. to figure this out on your own. And of course at 25, I, I didn't know that yet. And so I tried to figure it out on my own. Um, and so that was a big transition to trying to, trying to find my purpose. Like, why am I mm. even, you know, what am I doing home again? Um, and that was the journey that ultimately led me to becoming a life coach and, and, and teaching others. But that was a journey of a lot of pain and, and hard experience. Mm. You mentioned some of those hard experiences on your website uh, and also on your LinkedIn profile and the things that you're doing now. I'm just making sure that the website's there for people to engage with you. Yes. Um, thank you. Tell us about that. Tell us about some of those challenges and what led you to the life coaching and, and what you're doing now. I think it's very yeah. inspiring. Well, I, um, you know, I, it's crazy, my life, right? Like I was finishing school. So I, I finally paid off my debt. I'm finishing school and I'm working at a job training program, which focused on attitude and soft skills, right? And not, and not like hard skills, like typing and resume writing, et cetera. And it turned out I was like a duck to water with that. Part of it was because of my experience in boot camp, right? I, I understood the crazy thing is the, the, um, the job training program was based on NA and NAA, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, mm. which if you know those programs, they're very confrontational, very in your face, literally like mm. a boot camp. And so that's why I think I connected with it so well. You know, for instance, we would conduct workshops for people who are looking for work. And then if they came late, we're challenging them. We're getting right in their face. Why are you late? It's the first day. And they weren't used to that, right? They thought we were going to talk about resume writing. No, why are you late? Let's talk about that. And no, go home, right? You can go home now. And, you know, just, just really getting people who weren't used to the world of work to change their lens and their mindset. Mm. The beauty of that was that um, I was allowed as a trainer to actually create my own workshops. We were given that freedom. And so 
Um, and so that became another step in my development of what ultimately became my coaching system, Broadcaster Inner Champion, right? Because one of the things like this, and this is a crazy story, Craig, if you can imagine, we're in Harlem in the middle of a basement training people on job training. And so one of the things we would do is we would bring them down to lower Manhattan to actually, it's called Man on the Street, and we would have them videotape and interview people who didn't look like them. We, we made a point of saying, you know, we want you to interview, because mostly these are black and Latino, you know, men between and women between 18 and 40 who never come outside of Harlem or the Bronx. And one of the things we discovered is that they were terrified to do it. You know, these were people who were loud, boisterous, would get in my face, but they were terrified to interview someone who was white or who did not look like them, right? And what I realized at the heart of that was the idea that they had no idea who they were. They had no idea of the strength that they come from, the people they come from. They have no idea their family histories or how the history of the people who do look like them really should give them strength and, and that they don't understand the connection to their own power. And that became the focus of my work with them. Um, I actually switched my major, wound up going into history and graduated with a history degree. And wow. yeah. And so once I, that actually then was the beginning of my creation of Broadcaster Inner Champion. I start my clients off with two questions. Who are you and to whom do you belong? Uh, because I've, I've come to understand that um, in order for you to be successful and to actually get through the challenges of your life, you have to answer those questions first in a meaningful and a powerful way. Um, and that if you don't do that, then you'll continue to struggle with things that we think are the real challenge. We think the real challenges are our careers, our relationships, right? We're trying to reach goals, and we think that that's the real challenge. But the real challenge is you don't know, you haven't fully explored who you are. And if you do that first, do that work first, um, then that empowers you to find your purpose and to find your resilience to break through. Can you tell us those two, those two questions again that people need to have yes. an answer for? Who are you? And to whom do you belong? And the crazy thing is, Craig, I'll give you an example. I would stand in front of an audience, if you imagine, like 100 people, and I would pick one person, I would stand up, and I'd say, who are you? Craig, in over 20 years of doing that, it's amazing how many people can't answer that question. You know, the first thing people say was, my name is Craig Hansen. Okay, thank you, but that didn't answer the question. That's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you what you're called. I asked you, who are you? And then they just look at me. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and, and, and that's, that's the exploration. What does it mean to be who you are? What's your purpose here? Right. And the second question to whom do you belong, of course, has some spiritual meaning to it and background. So I have to be, I'm careful in couching that, right. Um, because that's, that's very sensitive, obviously. And so for me, the, Whatever your faith walk is, isn't important to me in terms of what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is to get you to, to articulate what your walk is, whatever it may be. You, you may not have mm. a particular faith. You may not believe in any particular religion. For me, that's not what's important. What's important is, can you speak to that? Can you articulate that? And just as important, can you articulate how that impacts how you deal with people? 
and yeah. how you expect other people to deal with you. Because one of the things that, and one of the things that, and I have a, a module called From Confidence to Power, which I talk about a connection between these different religions and faiths. And, and one of the things that I've discovered is that all of them teach us to love, honor, respect one another, right? They all mm. teach us that. And we get caught up in having debates about who's right and who's wrong, when really what we should be focused on is what does that mean to me that I believe this and how do I treat you even if you don't agree with me? Mm. I remember Rick Warren, author of The Purpose Driven Life, one time someone asked him, are you more left-wing or are you more yes. right-wing in terms of his politics? And he said, oh, man, I just I love the whole bird. <laughs> you know? Greatest answer ever. Yeah, he prefers to find, find the things that bring us together. Yes. The things that are common where we have a common meeting point to actually connect together and then we can explore everything else. But That's right. let's find our strengths and our commonalities first. That's right. That's right. Tell us from your perspective and your experience being a veteran yourself, and thank you for your service as well. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, from your perspective, what do you find is a challenge that often comes up when people leave the service and then they go into civilian life in terms of purpose? And give us some some strategies that you use to help people discover yeah. that. Probably the biggest thing, um, and I, I think that my experience wasn't unique. I think a lot of people go from the discipline and the daily routine of being in the military to coming home and not having that all of a sudden and feeling lost because of it. Um, all of a sudden you have a choice in what to wear. I mean, it, it's mm -hmm. crazy, but all of a sudden you have a choice in what to wear. And, you know, some people would think, yeah, great. I would love that. Some people really struggle with something as simple as what do I do and why do I do it? Um, why am I choosing this? Why am I wearing this? What do I even want to wear? And when they dive deeper, they then come to the realization, I don't know what I want to do. Um, I don't know what, you know, I don't know how to handle this world that I'm in. It's very different. Um, and so, again, for clients who, who I have who have been in the military, I bring them right back to boot camp. Boot camp was all about getting you um, to have discipline and understanding and teamwork. Mm. Um, so you need several things. First, you need to be self-aware. And I get them to answer those questions. Who are you and to whom do you belong? Because answering who are you, one, and, and here's some, some free advice for whoever's listening. If you're struggling with trying to find out what your purpose is, which a lot of veterans do when they come out of the service, if you're struggling with your purpose, you don't understand what you want to do or, or, or why you're here. The way you get to your purpose is you ask yourself and really list out what are your gifts? What are the things you just naturally do well? Right. All of us have gifts and, and they're all different. Right. Which is crazy. What are your gifts? What are the things you would naturally do well and the things that you would do if money were not an object, you'd do it for free? Because what I point to with my clients is if you discover what your gifts are, you are now on the path to understanding your purpose. Those gifts were not randomly given to you. This is where the whole right. faith walk thing comes in. This is where the whole confidence and faith comes in. And you have to understand that you have those gifts for a reason. And now it's now you're on the path to discovering your purpose. 
once you discover your purpose and you're living that purpose-driven life, it's amazing mm. how resilient you become. And it's amazing how the challenges that you face, what goals do I want to set? What career do I want? You know, what, what kind of relationship do I want to have? It's amazing how all of those puzzle pieces start falling into place because you understand your purpose. When you understand your purpose, you understand the people you want around you. When you understand your purpose, all of a sudden the people around you start changing. <laughs> and that's crazy because, you know, sometimes just because you have somebody in your life who's close to you, quote unquote, like your mom, your dad, your your cousins, your your quote, quote unquote friends, that doesn't mean they're they're supposed to be in your life. Um, and mm -hmm. you know your purpose, you start bringing people around you who then point you towards your purpose. Um, and start mm. helping you understand what your goals are and why those are your goals and giving you the steps you need. You start finding mentors who think like you who are on the same vibe as you. You start you start actually almost naturally heading towards doing what you're supposed to do. Um, and you and you're and you're willing and able to do the work that you have to do because it always means having to do work. Maybe it means going back to school. Maybe it means going to a trade school. Maybe it means you know mm. all the type of learning that you need to do to get there. But you're willing to do it because you're you're purpose driven at that point. I love it. Uh, for those of you watching the recording or on any of our platforms on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Twitter, on Twitch. Uh, all these different platforms where we broadcast our interviews with great people like Steve. You can see the uh, website for Steve's company and what he does. Uh, Steve, just as we wrap up in the next couple of minutes, I I commonly hear because I we have faculty around the world and we have different industries and different people training at different levels. The thing that comes out, and you mentioned this word a few minutes ago about resilience and mm. with what we've been through and still going through, with the pandemic and different regulations and requirements mm. and lockdowns and freedom and things, it seems that people are struggling with what's going to happen next, what's happening today, how do we respond to that? How would you encourage people to to move forward in, in somewhat of a sense of uncertainty moving into the new normal? Yeah. How would you encourage people? Great question, Craig. Thank you for that. The first thing I would I would tell somebody who's really struggling with that is number one, you're not alone. And and mm. it's funny, that sounds like such a simple thing to say, but it's powerful because a lot of times the real challenge is that people are feeling anxious and frustrated by by not knowing what's coming tomorrow, what's coming next. They feel isolated. And or they start isolating themselves, which is even worse. And mm. so the first thing I tell them is don't isolate yourself. Um, um, you're not alone. Other people are feeling this, too. So don't feel like it's just you. Second thing is find your tribe. Who are your people? And, it, you know, don't get caught up in, you know, the titles. Who are the people who are on the same vibe as you, who mean you well? Um, and it might be one or two people. And that's fine. Um um, find your people around you who support you. And when I say support, I want it to be clear. That doesn't mean they, that they enable you in your BS, right? When you start doing stuff you're not supposed to do, your friends, your support system are not the ones who allow that. They're the ones who tell you, hey, you're going the wrong way. Stop it, mm -hmm. right? Those are the people you need in your life. Um, and then the third thing I'd say, when you're having those anxieties, those, those issues, those challenges, that fear, 
find that one person. It may be just one. Maybe if you're really lucky, you have two or three. Find that person that you can talk to about those fears, those anxieties. Get that off your chest. Do not try to figure that out alone. I spent decades doing that to myself, and that's why I coach my clients. Uh, that's why I'm here, because I help them not have to go through decades of that. I'm here for them to talk to. Um, talk to somebody who doesn't judge you, who can hear your anxiety, your fear, and who can mm. either point you in the right direction or they will try to figure it out with you. They walk with you to figure it out um, so that you're not alone. That's great advice. So just to recap, I was making notes. Uh, you're not alone. Tend to communicate. Yes that to you individually, anyone who's watching, but also for you to remind the other people around you with empathy, to let them know that they're not alone in their experience right now. Uh, find a tribe of people mm -hmm. that you can connect with and be encouraged and do life with. And also identify, number three, that safe person that you can talk to and share with who can support you going forward because we all need that safe person yes. or a small group of people who are our safe space. Steve, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing. Please don't um, leave as I wrap up, but I do want to acknowledge you and the work that you do. So thanks very much for being with us and thank you for your service. Craig, thank you so much for having me. It really is a pleasure for me and an honor. I really appreciate your time and having me on your platform. Thank you. And everyone else watching the recording, if you are a veteran or a family of veterans, uh, as a university, we have access to veterans uh, benefits. So if you want to get your degree or get your master's degree, and Steve was talking about wanting to finish his degree when he um, exited the service, you can do that through us. So reach out to us and we do generously recognize the background experience, talents and skills that people have in our recognition of prior learning program to make sure that you can finish your degree that you want faster and therefore cheaper, and make sure you can move on to your career goals and life purpose. So thanks for being with us. We look forward to seeing you again on another Veterans Stories.